0: Hello and welcome to the Changing Directions Filmmaker Podcast Series presented by 206.com. Changing Directions is a podcast interview series focused on diverse and emerging filmmakers who are pushing the boundaries of what's possible for women and people of color while creating amazing films. I am your host, Mark Morin, and this interview is part of my coverage for the Seattle Asian American Film Festival. My guests for this episode are Larissa Lam and Baldwin Chu, a husband and wife filmmaking team who created a documentary called Far East Deep South that is an official selection of the festival. Larissa and Baldwin, welcome to the podcast. Hey,
1: Thanks for hey, having hey, us, Mark. What's up?
0: Yeah, Thanks for being here. Now this documentary, Baldwin, is actually about your own family history and from what I understand it started out as just a family film project which then turned into a short film and eventually the full feature film. So I think that's a good place to start. So how did the movie evolve from that original idea of going to Mississippi to what we end up seeing on screen?
2: Yeah, like you said, it was supposed to be only a family video. This was not supposed to be for the public and it was really just made for my daughter. Uh, She had just been born and we really wanted her to learn more about her lineage because I didn't know anything about my lineage. So we might as well go and figure that out after we discovered that we had a past in, in Mississippi.
1: Yeah, and it was just a family vacation. We never intended to make a film when we first set out there. In fact, we didn't even know if we were going to be able to find the gravesite of Baldwin's grandfather and great grandfather to pay our respects, which was the impetus. And we figured, at the least, we'll go to you know we'll go to Graceland, visit Elvis, you know, try to find a cemetery and have some really good Southern food, and then call it a day and go you know go back to California, <laughs> which is where we're from. And and lo and behold, as the events unfold in our film, is that we end up discovering so much more than just Baldwin's grandfather and great-grandfather's grave, but this whole untold, or little-known, I should say, history of the Chinese in the Mississippi Delta during segregation, and even the impact of the Chinese Exclusion Act on Baldwin's family.
0: Yeah, the story the two of you end up telling has so many revelations and so many moments of discovery. Some of it is super exciting, some of it is sad, and a lot of it shows the harsh realities of American history that a lot of us don't really know about. So what does it mean to you and your family to be able to share all of these discoveries and moments?
2: Well, I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag because I mean it's it's hard to have to realize that our history is pretty dark in this country. But then there's light also knowing that our country still has freedoms and it has opportunities for us to correct those wrongdoings in the past and it gives us opportunities to make things better. So I think it would be a darker place if we didn't have the reality that we can continue to move forward. But something I like to really say is that, you know, we really need to understand and know what happened in the past in order to understand how we got to where we are today and only then can we actually go out and create a better future.
0: No, absolutely. Now, I guess maybe this is a question for you, Larissa, as far as like how the story came together from a director's perspective. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of the overall narrative is, is Baldwin's, it's your father's story from beginning to end. At what point did you say, okay, there's a bigger story here. And then what were the decisions of how to put that story together?
1: Yeah, that was a, that's a great question. It was definitely a journey for me. Um, my background is actually in the music industry. Um, I'd written the music for television and film. I've been a recording art artist. And so going into film was actually a new foray, even though I had produced, you know, short form videos, music videos, and and TV. But, you know, I think the storytelling is is what mattered to me. And it's we joke, like our director involved when we decided, it was actually my idea to do documentary. And so we had brought on an editor and they had tried to put together, you know, something for the short. And I looked at the first cut and I said, oh no, this is not going to work. <laughs> and So what I really wanted to do was take the audience through what we experienced, you know, in, in a sense, the audience is seeing what, the <laughs> we're seeing through our eyes. And so that was very intentional in the beginning, is that it was going to be a journey of discovery um, for the audience, and not just about the family story, but also about the history. Because I could have just made an observational documentary just following the family and their discoveries and leave it at that. Or I could have chosen to do the more historical you know, take and be a bunch of talking heads. But I decided to do a little bit of a blend of both because I thought that the history was equally as important as, if not in some sense, more important than the family discoveries. That was kind of the directive that I had was, let's tell the family story and tell the, the history through the, the eyes of the family.
2: But then you didn't really get the idea until when? when? When was it? It wasn't like at the very beginning. You didn't really think about making a documentary. Well, within,
1: within, I, you know? the wheel started turning like as far as wanting people to know the story when I walked into the museum. You know, I didn't think it would be me who would tell the story. I was like, people need to know about this history down here. Like there's so many Chinese and so many that would have been in, in the South over generations and nobody knows about this. And then it was when we were driving back, I think, from our first trip to Cleveland, Mississippi, that I realized, you know, I feel like we should make a documentary. And we decided to do the 14-minute short and see if anybody's even interested in the story. We actually toured the country back in those days when we could actually see real people and, you know, be in rooms with other people watching movies. You know, the good old days. (laughs) We did an extensive, over 100 community engagement screenings of Finding Cleveland, um, which was our short film. The response was just so positive, and people wanted to know more. We wanted to know more. And as people will See in Far East, Deep South, we dug out so much more. Some people were like, I, I can't imagine you finding out more information about your family. And we unlocked so much more, um, and especially about Baldwin's family being in this country for, for many generations, more, more generations than we realized. And that is definitely when we said, we have to make this movie. We have to make it a feature.
0: One question that I had that popped into my head while I was watching the film is, Baldwin, your father, especially at the beginning, doesn't really seem like he wants to go down this path. So <laughs> was he resistant to this? or what What was his journey like from behind-the-scenes perspective?
2: It's definitely another thing with those things when we say it's a mixed bag, you know. He really didn't, I mean, for our entire life, he didn't really want to really talk about it, right? And so it really wasn't until five years ago yeah, five, six, six years, six years, years yeah. ago. It really wasn't until six years ago that we all agreed that we would go to Mississippi Inn. and I think he was just like, okay, let's just go there and that's it, right? And when we started digging out more things and really prying into his life and seeing if things would jog his memory. He opened up a little bit, but then he pulled back a little bit and then he opened up a little bit and then he pulled back a little bit. And the funny thing is, I think he likes Larissa more than he likes me (laughs) Uh, because I had to, she basically had to kick me out. Like everything you see about my dad in the film, all those interviews, I was not there. Oh wow.
1: For the, the sit-down interviews, for the
2: sit down interview. know, right, right. ones that
1: are not the verite, you know, mm-hmm. sections. Yeah, I, I think for him, he had locked up so much of these emotions. Um, And even, I think, after we went to Mississippi and, you know, with spoiler alert for the audience, if you haven't seen the film, I won't give away too much, but we find some significant things in Mississippi that you know, I think gave him a connection to his father, Baldwin's grandfather. Cause he basically grew up fatherless um, for those who aren't familiar with our story. And I think he repressed a lot of those memories and even that pain. And so in a sense, it's joyous to find these discoveries but also painful to realize that you missed a whole childhood with your father, right?
2: Yeah, and also, I mean, not to give away too much but I think it's important in the film is why was he left behind? Why was he abandoned in the film? And I think him growing up in his entire life thinking that he was just abandoned because he probably wasn't loved or maybe his father just didn't want him there because life was better without him or whatever. To find out the real reason and that the Chinese Exclusion Act had played a part in that separation, a major part in that separation. It, it gave him a little bit of relief to know that it wasn't his fault that he was abandoned, but at the same time, he was still abandoned. So-
1: Well, know. in his mind, he was abandoned. I mean, right. that was not his father's intention. His father always intended to go Bring back him. to China. He And his father always intended, as we found out through our search, intended for him to come to the United States to just, through tragic circumstances, um, you know, on a, on a few levels, that and wasn't able to happen.
2: And it really is a mixed feeling because my dad is very patriotic. Um, You know, he served in the Air Force, retired in the Air Force, that's shown in the film. Yet it was this country that set the laws in place that separated our family for multiple generations. Where do you feel? Are you still proud to be an American? Or are you resentful? You know, So those feelings are still there and it it, it just makes this whole, it makes American history very complicated.
0: No, absolutely. And one thing that was really fascinating for me was this whole journey started out with just like that picture of the grape site. And then for everything that you discover, every door that's open, every person that you talk to, just all of that history, I thought it was really well put together on how you do mix the family journey with the bigger picture type stuff. And another thing that I thought was really interesting was after you had come home, and again, we're not gonna give away a whole lot, but one thing I'm gonna touch on, after you come home, other people started reaching out to you so what was that like for both you and then also for your father to start hearing from these people who were just kind of coming out of the woodwork that you had no idea who they were?
1: Yeah. I, well, first of all, I think after we went on that first trip and we had so many discoveries just in that first trip, I think we were in some sense like, wow, this is great. Like, I, I, you know, we weren't even expecting anything more because it was more information than they had had their whole lives. And so then, you know, when you started getting contacted by other people saying like, so-and-so knows your grandfather too.
2: It was very intriguing. For me, it was like, oh my gosh, there's more, and then there's more, and there's more, and then every single time we went to go discover and talk to those people,
1: and they're still alive. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, So. For me, I was like, let's let's hunt this down until we can't hunt any further, <laughs> you know?
1: Get them while they're all still alive and they can all remember. And so yeah, <laughs> that's began, or, you know, it, it took several years in the making, but we were able to locate a lot of people that had, and, you know, we show many of them in our film that had very vivid memories. And I think what was really poignant was how there were specific things, like there was the woman, Rachel Tate, who recalled her grandmother was given these flowers, these paper white bulbs mm, yeah. that were brought over by Baldwin's grandfather in China, and then those flowers were still in Mississippi, growing to this day. Yeah,
2: it's like a part of my grandfather still is alive. Yeah. Right? Wow. In Mississippi. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then there's Happy M, who um, spent a lot of time in their store. And that there's like lovely story about his grandfather picking him up from school, or taking him home from school, because <laughs> his own dad would forget to pick him up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seemed like a really fun man to talk to. He has great personality. Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, so yeah, those, those story, those types of stories really, you know, I think brought together in a sense, his grandfather's life, you know? Yeah.
0: Right.
1: And yeah, that, that really
0: speaks to, in a lot of ways, you had mentioned your father having a belief his entire life that wasn't necessarily true, just based on the fact that he didn't know what the reality was. And I think that really shows just as human beings, how our brains fill space with all kinds of, you know, dramatic stories and theories and ideas when we just don't know. So that, I think that was was one of the main things that I saw your dad struggling with Was yes, he was getting information, but it was conflicting. It just seemed like there was a lot of emotion there, and I think that leads to a lot of the things that we're dealing with in today's world. And you know, in the last year with the protests and the you know, there's been recent news again with the attacks on Asian people, just random attacks in the streets. You know, I found a PSA video that you made last year, basically asking people to be kind in the wake of COVID-19 and the violence towards Asian people, and I feel like the history you show in the documentary has a direct correlation to the ignorance and hate that you address in the video. Now you've created a lot of fun content for YouTube and your social media. Now this video has more of a serious tone, yet it still maintains your personality at the same time. So can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wish we didn't have to make these videos, right? And right. sadly, they're still relevant today, and not enough people are watching it and listening to our little <laughs> daughter holding up signs saying, right. be kind. The PSA, you know, I'm singing I Will Survive, um, you know, as mentioned, and in Baldwin Beatboxes, he's a you know rapper beatboxer, <laughs> and we enlisted our daughter, a cute little daughter, to mm. send that message, because I think sometimes when we're shouting at each other, people don't listen, and so we wanted to, to use a way that was very evocative, and throwing in a cute kid is That's to win over. There we go. Yeah. yeah, To to soften up this idea of racism. But really what you were talking about as far as the history, it's the lack of history really that we're learning. Or you know it, it, that we didn't learn in school, learned, right. couldn't learn because people didn't know the story or never told the story, and that's what we're trying to help change. As you know, your podcast has changed directions. We're hoping to change the direction of the education system so that we aren't having these repeated incidents where people are telling you know people who look Asian to go back to their country or that right. they don't belong here, and they don't realize like that our lineage in this country is just as long as somebody that's Western European. Right. Um, and in some cases, you Even know hard. Baldwin's family you know, he's now realized he's the fifth generation and our daughter would be the sixth. And, you know, yeah. there's many very public figures that don't even have <laughs> that long of a lineage that you would think is quote unquote American. Right. Um, so that's what we're hoping to change.
2: Yeah, really um, want to, wanting to normalize what it means to be American. You know, we, we live in a country that we're very fortunate to be a mix of so many different countries. You know, so right. many, everyone is a descendant or an immigrant or a descendant of an immigrant. So it's it just shows that we really wanted, a film that says like we are American too and it's it sucks that we have to try to prove it through our story but I feel like it's something we have to do because you know being perpetual foreigners is not the most fun thing you know like how long how much longer does my family need to be here before we are considered part of this country
1: and I think our community in the past has been relatively silent so to speak you know Mm -hmm. or just Again, the press hasn't been covering. It. It's been a little bit heartening to see. There's been a little bit more movement and, and people being aware of this. But at the same time, when people see the news now, they just, sometimes they just dismiss it. And like, oh, well, it's not really that big of a deal. They haven't really suffered that much in this country. And that's because people don't know that there has been a history of oppression. There has been a history of discrimination. In fact, I was just reading like today on Facebook, one of our good friends, her husband was walking a dog. And you know, we live in we live in Los Angeles you know, area and fairly diverse. And somebody tried to attack her husband and was shouting racial slurs at him. He's Asian American as well. Right. And he, this is again just only one of many, many, many incidents that have been happening around the country. And these things were happening even before COVID-19. It's just right. heightened because of it. But you know, again, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? You know. <laughs> yep, and
0: exactly. just
1: because you haven't heard about it doesn't mean it wasn't happening before. And so I think you know that's what we want to do with our film, with our music videos, you know, and, and in everything that we do is kind of raise the awareness that uh, and have these conversations. Again, hopefully to make positive change and not just complain and, you know, and tell people like, oh my gosh, you're a terrible person for shouting racial slurs, but hopefully we can change their hearts.
2: Yeah, and I think what we really wanted to do also is humanize the story. We can talk and shout and complain about horrible policies and mistreatment all the time, but what we really really wanted to do with the film was humanize it so that people could understand how it really affected our family. To know that, yes, there was suffering. And, you know, one of the things that's been really hard for me recently is to hear people say, well, just because Asian people are being attacked now it's not as bad as the other people's suffering 500 400 years ago or they're saying like well at least now they deserve it they're getting something they deserve or they're not they're not supposed to be here anyways you know those things are really hurtful it's like no we we have suffered and we should all understand that nobody's suffering is good and that whatever suffering is happening now it doesn't matter what our history was or wasn't in the past it's still bad so how can we humanize our stories so that people can normalize a conversation of what it means to really belong in this country.
0: No, absolutely. And one of the things that you touched on as well, just a moment ago was, it's not just about having the arguments or just having positive communications. Like we're talking now and we're bringing awareness to it. Hopefully people will listen to the podcast and learn something, but it's really about taking action is what's gonna cause the change. And I feel like that's where your documentary comes into play. Your PSA video comes into play. And I've seen in the last year, especially in the conversations that I've had other filmmakers, like you know, there's a documentary called the Donut King, which you know, mm-hmm. oh, so yeah, yes. the, uh, it. yeah it. I interviewed Alice Gu cool. a couple months ago, and just uh, so much history there that I had no idea. And you know, I've I've always seen these donut shops, and I it was always interesting to me that it was there was usually some Asian family that was running it, but I had no idea what that meant and what that story was. So to start seeing your story and and her story, or you know, the story that she told, and even a, a TV show like like Warrior that is based off of Bruce, Lee's, Bruce Lee, right? Mm-hmm. It really goes into that history in San Francisco of how Chinese people and other Asian Americans were treated versus the different ethnic groups and how that there's just so much going on there that I'm really happy to, to see these type of things come out. So I'll say thank you to everybody that's doing that, including you for making this documentary. A couple of other things I wanted to, going back to that PSA video, there are a few other things I learned from my research and finding that video. So Baldwin, we touched on this earlier, your beatboxing skills are definitely legit. I, I enjoy it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now, We see in the documentary uh, hip-hop is a big part of who you are, and you found ways to incorporate it into your life. And you mentioned to me that even your song is in the documentary. Can you talk about what that means to you to be able to have that as something that you put out there?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, for one thing, we didn't have to worry about licensing my music. So it was a lot (laughs) easier to just use my music. Yeah.
1: Uh, (laughs) But you know, I chose the song not just because it was him, but I thought the lyrics you know because he talks about how in the, in the section that we stuck in the film you know mm-hmm. lyrically he was talking about how people always mistake you for being you know Vietnamese or Filipino yeah. they think we're all just the same right. you know but I'm American born Chinese and then it was it just fit in with that establishment and also as a counterpoint to you know the other theme that's runs through our film is the generational gap between his father and him where you know he's the younger generation into hip-hop all the Amer- quote-unquote American culture his dad's a little bit more traditional and there's some conflict there so and I that we got to highlight that a little bit in the
2: film. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we knew that this was not just a film about history of our country, but history within our own family. And that I think people need to understand that there's a difference between different generations. There's different generations of Asian Americans, and each generation that is here longer is different from the previous. And even within our own Asian community, there, there are struggles.
1: Even within somebody, like say Chinese, I mean, like being first generation Chinese born overseas, you have a very different perspective and outlook than somebody who is American born. Right. And that's one of the things yeah. we wanted to highlight as well.
2: It goes back to our identity, you know, like people don't understand that we struggle with not being American enough in America. Even though I've been here for five generations, my daughter's gonna be here for six generations. She probably is still gonna struggle with being not American enough to be American, but right. then she's also not Chinese enough to be Chinese so we're stuck in this weird middle place of where do we belong and I think a lot of people don't understand that this is a struggle for pretty much all Asian Americans that we don't belong and we haven't belonged in our 500 years of history in this country you know and people don't realize that yes Asians were here 500 years ago yeah
1: it's like we want to, <laughs> you know? we want to embrace and pay you know tribute to our heritage and obviously keep that but yet at the same time you know be accepted as Americans, So we're not saying abandon your Chinese. side. Sometimes when we share this, people are like, oh my gosh, you're just denying. All the Asians are like, you're just denying your heritage, your not- identity. No, no, no. That's not what we mean. What we mean is like, you know, we have friends that are Italian American and like they, they're proud to be Italian American and they get to kind of live both being Italian and American or Irish American friends that are very, you know, Irish American. Um, but somehow for us, we have, to, sometimes we feel like we have to choose one or the other and not coexist at the same time. And I think, you know, there's that happy meeting of, of being both Chinese yeah. and American. And someone in our film says it, Martha Wing, where you
2: can be both. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of America. You can be proud of being both. But I think Asian Americans have always been in a weird place where you have to choose, right? And either one you choose is wrong. So that's a struggle. And I think people need to understand that that's a struggle. And we don't want it to be a struggle anymore.
0: No, absolutely. Thank you. Now, Larissa, I learned that uh, you had mentioned this earlier as well, but I learned that you are an international recording artist and you've worn <laughs> many different hats all over for the entertainment industry. So is directing something you've been wanting to add to your resume, or was it just totally something that came out of this project?
1: You know, it's interesting. I think in the back of my head, I, I knew eventually I would maybe want to direct. Um, I had done some directing for a theater for, I'd written and directed a couple of plays way back when, but music was really kind of my first passion. And, you know, having worked into, oh my gosh, I'm going to like give away how old I am. I started when I was two, but I worked in music for like 20 years. Um, <laughs> and I think the story just fell into my lap that it made sense for me to tell the story. And, you know, kind of moving forward, I do have ideas for other stories Stories, um, that I would like to direct. And in some cases it might just be Baldwin and I, you know, being uh, producing partners, just producing and working with other directors. But I do see myself moving forward after kind of the success of Far East Deep South and Finding Cleveland, you know, staying in the director's chair. I'm, I'm still doing music stuff. I don't think I'll ever abandon being a musician and, and writing music, but certainly I have an added title.
2: She really also likes telling me what to do. So like ever <laughs> since we were together, she's already been directing. So it made natural sense for her to. Ha, <laughs> Keep on directing.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's what he likes to tell people. That's exactly what a director gets to do. I get to tell other people what to do. So,
0: yes. That's... <laughs> I mean, that, that's really all there is to it, right? So you have years of experience. Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. My whole life was preparing to be a director. Yeah, our whole
2: marriage was preparing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, now, with that marriage comes a family. And the other thing I noticed in that PSA video, as well as a, like a one-minute interview that you did with your daughter, is she is a superstar in the making. So <laughs> how long before she has her own show and is doing all kinds of things in the entertainment world. Yeah. Well. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, if she had her way, she'd probably have it right, right now. now we've yeah. we've been balancing <laughs> how much do we exploit our daughter and do we want to be stage parents? I don't know if you watched Asian Americans Make History or Hamilton, you know, parody. Oh yeah. We, we yeah, We do yeah. Asian Americans uh, Asian American history in three, in three minutes. Three minutes. And our yep. daughter wrapped in there and yep. Steals the show, of course, uh, and she
2: beatboxed in a Christmas video recently.
1: Yeah, so, so we we are using her a little bit. Do I just say that out loud using that I confess now? She I willingly, mean, like we didn't right, right. force her to do anything. But. I mean,
2: if anything, we try to like say, hey, there's other cool things too. Like, cause you know, I have a background in engineering and so I like, you know, she breaks things and I make her fix things with me. And so, you know, she talked about how like she can be an engineer too. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, we could use more female engineers, you know, and yeah. she has a very creative mind and I feel like that's a great thing for engineers to have is a creative mind. And so I don't really necessarily want to push her into entertainment but she's got a gift and, you know, we'll, we'll see. We're not going we'll to, what see I, what's natural. What
1: I'm most <laughs> proud of her, though, I think because of her exposure to history through our film and our conversations with other people, she actually has a thirst for knowledge for history, which I know I personally never did as a kid. Yeah, no, I didn't either. She's seven years old and she's like consuming biographies. I mean, at the seven-year-old level yes. and she knows more historical figures than I bet you like an average quote-unquote American does, <laughs> you know, at seven. And so she's just naming people off left and right that I, you know, I don't know who she some of them, I don't even know, but she already <laughs> knows like Amelia Earhart, Frederick Douglass, Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman. I mean, she's going on and on. She even knows who Confucius is.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, we,
1: she knows about Wong Kim Ark because of us. I mean, she, so she hopefully will take that torch in terms of educating the next generation of history that isn't normally told.
0: Yeah, she's impressive, and I think no matter what she chooses to do, she'll be successful, just just from the bits and pieces that I've seen, so thank you for sharing that. <laughs> now, as we're talking, the, we're here as part of the Seattle Asian American Film Festival, what has the film festival experience been like for you, not just this one, but overall in the, in the last years?
2: Wow, it's.
1: Uh... We actually are <laughs> on the exact anniversary um, at, oh, of today. this recording yes. of our world premiere at CineQuest, um, oh, really? which was in San Jose that was last our, year.
2: Our world premiere was live and in person. We
1: actually got two screenings off before the whole festival shut down and the world, wow. as you know, it shut down. Mm-hmm. And we are thankful that we got to have, at least have that you new know, audience reaction. But having the virtual film festival has been a blessing in some ways because we haven't had to travel. and. With our daughter, we've been able to, you know, zoom from home or even you know do things like this from home. However, you know, as you know, as a movie fan, as a as a movie critic, it's it there's nothing that replaces being in a theater and, and right. getting that reaction real time and seeing it on the big screen. And you know, we spent money on a DCP that <laughs> we like used twice. <laughs> and from a fil- filmmakers will know what I mean about that if they're listening. Yeah. And I think in, in 5.1 surround sound too, which <laughs> yeah. is insane on a computer. Those are the things where we miss is that interaction and and meeting other filmmakers in person and you know, getting Being able to encourage each other,
2: you know, like talk about what's inspiring each other in their filmmaking. Because a lot of these indie film festivals, it's about filmmakers that are trying to make some sort of difference, right? Right. They're trying to do it on maybe a smaller scale, but they're really in there and they're very intense and passionate about that. So to meet those like-minded people and and trying to encourage each other, it's been harder really to do it in the virtual space. You
1: know, at the same time, we also know that there are people from, depending on the film festival, you know, normally only people in the Seattle area maybe get to watch, you know, our film at the Seattle Asian American film festival, but you know, they're, they're, it's expanded the whole state of Washington and, and I think a couple of other states as well, so that you're getting a larger audience that potentially could watch it. And maybe some people have to like normally get a babysitter and they wouldn't normally watch your film. And now they can watch, or they maybe are elderly and they can't they, they can't leave the house or, or disabled. And we've, we've talked to people like that, like, yeah, i been able to watch your film because normally I wouldn't be able to go to the movie theater. So in some ways we, we've expanded the audience, you know, and in some ways we, we definitely miss the mixing and mingling aspect of of it, but we're grateful that film festivals have committed to kind of still showcase films like ours and find an audience
0: that's really the key to the film festival experience. And it is one thing that I really miss, like you mentioned, is going there, sitting down with my popcorn, with the crowd and just the anticipation and the enjoyment of watching the movie. But I think at the same time, it does, it has opened up more different avenues that people can explore. Like, you know, you and I are talking right now over Zoom and, you know, who knows if that would have happened if the world wasn't the way it was. So you definitely want to look at the positives that have come out of it. So I'm glad that you look at it that way and you've had a great experience so far. If people want to see all of these videos, we're talking about and also to find out more about the film or even you know larissa you're on spotify i saw all your music on there people can find you on spotify but otherwise people can go to far east deep south.com and then for more info on the seattle asian american film festival the link is seattle A-A-F-F.org. now is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up this interview
1: um, yeah, I mean, definitely follow us on social media as well. You know, our film, we're individually, we're, we're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And we also host a podcast, too, called Love, Discovery and Dim Sum, where we kind of expand on some of these topics that we touch upon on, in the film. And also, you know, sharing about race and, and cultural identity through our Asian-American lens is it pertains to historical events and, you know, current events. So if people like kind of the topic and subjects like we kind of cover here, please check out our website or check out podcast podcast.loveanddiscovery.com, otherwise known as Love Discovery and Timson Podcast, you can subscribe in addition to having obviously changed directions. <laughs> Changing directions or change directions? Changing directions. Yeah. Changing directions. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So make sure you subscribe to both of our podcasts. Yes,
2: yeah, <laughs> certainly follow us on our mailing list at far as deep South. Oh,
1: we have a big announcement to make for those who cannot watch on, well Seattle before we Asian. get to that. Oh, okay. I was gonna say
2: <laughs> if you don't, if you don't get to there and you go to a university or a college, your school can actually license our film because we do have an education distributor already and several universities have already picked up our film. You can get more information about New Day, which is our distributor, our education distributor on our website, farisdeepsouth.com. And I think the message you want, the announcement you're trying to say is what? Well.
1: Well, for those of you who are not able to watch at uh, the Seattle Asian American Film Festival, you're going to get to watch a, you can watch a version of Far East Deep South in May. It'll be a little bit different. Though Seattle has the full version of our film, but we will be going on PBS World Channel in May. Oh, wow! So go to our website for updates. We'll, uh, we'll be, we'll be making a more of an official announcement soon. So more people will be able to watch our yeah. film.
2: But don't wait till May, because you're no. not getting the full version in May. Yes, yeah, so
1: it's, it's an edited version. So you'll, you're special if you watch at the Seattle Asian American Film Festival. And certainly, you know, just like Baldwin mentioned, our overarching goal is really to help broaden the way American history is taught in our schools to be more inclusive of the Asian American experience. And certainly with our film, we all learn about segregation and the American South. And we'd like to see the Asian uh, narrative included in that. And so please go to our website if you'd yeah. like to, and reach out to us if you'd like to bring our film into schools, we would more than be happy, we more than happy to help you out with that. And
2: yeah, get our film into all the universities, social their uh, their media libraries and let this be a part of regular you know history curriculum that um, you know students can start learning and not have to wait till film festivals to watch they can do it in school right away we're
0: gonna get them young yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> teach them early absolutely thank you for sharing all that that's amazing information Larissa Baldwin I love the film I love your positive energy that you put into your lives and careers thank you so much for speaking with me today enjoy the virtual festival and all the best to you and your family
2: thanks thank so you. much Mark God bless you guys.
0: This is the Changing Directions podcast series presented by 206.com. Changing Directions is a podcast interview series focused on diverse and emerging filmmakers who are pushing the boundaries of what's possible for women and people of color while creating amazing films. Please subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, and share on social media. Any way you can support the podcast is very much appreciated. You can find every podcast episode and all of my movie reviews, including my review of Far East Deep South on 206.com. Thank you for listening to the Changing Directions podcast series presented by 206.com.